Hey, hey everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is um, Stories of Life and Love and I'm your host, Evalisa. This week, you know, I'm someone that really likes exploring perspectives on business and entrepreneurship, especially in the creative sector, uh, from people who may be known on, you know, in their public space uh, in different sectors. So that's why I'm especially excited to have Patrick on this episode. And he's a wonderful, kind person, definitely a sense of humor, and um, has a few creative projects up his sleeve too. So I'm really excited for you to take a listen to Patrick's input on um, being an entrepreneur and this idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out. So I hope you enjoy. Hey. Patrick. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm so sorry. I was doing Instagram live and it just, for my, my, uh, what do you call it? My alma mater, my other yeah. alma mater. And it's just. Wait, not Harvard? The other yeah. One. My undergrad was at Georgetown. <laughs> it's, it's all good. And you know what? I'm sure you look pretty and great, but this is just audio and it's meant to be so relaxed, so chill, so no worries. No, I look like hell. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm wearing a Georgetown baseball cap because I wanted to cover up what is a very overdue haircut situation. But okay. now it's all good. Well, you know, actually, you know what? I did notice on your Instagram that you do like to demonstrate your fashion of the day. I think that's a great thing. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, like, have a headshot appropriate for this interview, you just send it over. Send it over. You can curate. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've been doing the 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 thing of the day as a way to um like just motivate myself in the morning to get dressed. And yes. so, you know what I mean? It's like these totally. little things just to like stay sane. So yeah, I have fun with yeah. it. Do you find it actually makes such a difference? Oh yeah. And I yeah. and it gives me I also like the night before I think about like, oh, what will be my theme tomorrow? So I'm pivoting I'm finishing up with vests and pivoting the hats. That's a nobody knows that but you, just so you know. <laughs> okay, I love the insider information here. I won't. <laughs> so um, I'm really happy. You Let's just dive into it. If you can introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Well, first of all, it's great to be here. My name is Patrick McGinnis, and I am a venture capitalist, and I'm an author. I've written two books. One is called. Uh, one is I was like I, I'm forgetting there's so many but it's one is called the 10% <laughs> entrepreneur live your startup dream without quitting your day job and the second is called fear of missing out practical decision making in a world of overwhelming choice and I'm the host of a podcast called FOMO sapiens which is distributed by the Harvard Business Review and it's a it's basically a show all about decision making by entrepreneurial thinkers amazing I love that and that's how I got introduced to Patrick myself uh, through the innovation lab and a colleague of mine there so it's wonderful to come across your work um, so we're gonna be a little bit different than maybe other interviews you may have had you will have a bit of like a personal and professional um, sort of opportunity for you to speak to mm -hmm. so the first thing is what would you say is your top personal focus for this year or professional as well yeah so i think i'll give you one of each uh on, on the professional side it's really about uh, launching this book which comes out on may 5th 
because obviously writing a book and, and, and then promoting it is a multi-year process and I put a lot of time into it. And so, uh, and I want to then continue working with it in the next couple of years my, with my first book. We're now four years into it and I'm still giving talks about it and talking about it with different people and it's still out there and getting sold and stuff. So I'm really focused on building that base. And obviously it's a really interesting time, challenging time to do that. So I've been putting extra work into it during my quarantine. And on a personal side, well, it's very interesting because I travel probably more than most people. Uh, I've, over the last several years, been on the road a tremendous amount. And now, of course, I am stuck in one place. And so I am thinking about how to make the most of that and how to create a life where I don't have to travel as much and I can take advantage mm -hmm. of being in, in my home city, which is New York. And... And so it's a great time to just step back and assess and be, be open-minded to what comes. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and yeah, taking the opportunity to assess and review at different points in our lives, both personally and professionally is super important. Um, so looking back, what was a big challenge for you last year and maybe how did you overcome it personally and professionally? So last year, I think it was it was a period where I overcommitted. I definitely it's kind of ironic because now it's sort of like I don't leave anywhere. Last year I traveled to the point where I was I viewed it I no longer saw the enjoyment in it. It was actually and I and I went to something like twenty different countries everywhere from uh, from West Africa to uh, to Asia to Latin America to Europe and. And it was, um, I think it was too much. And so one of the challenges that, and I started to think about this is, you know, what, how can I rejigger and, and also get to the point where, uh, where I, you know, I'm going on a, on a holiday or vacation and I'm actually dreading leaving. And so thinking more carefully about how to value my time has been one of the things that I, that I did. And of course, then now I'm sort of in a position where I can really do that in a way that I haven't before. So I'm sort of building on that. It's, it's quite interesting to be able to actually think about, okay, now that I'm not traveling, what were the things that, that I really wanted, I would want to have back from that time and which things would I want to leave behind? But do you think that you kind of needed that very engaged and active life in order to even appreciate this time? Listen, I did. I definitely think when I, when I think about this time, one of the things I feel fine about it. it's like listen i've been everywhere i don't mind being at home for a while but i think what happens is with many of us is we get into routines and it's sort of like um you are um you can hear i'm in new york city that there's something going on outside the window with some some sirens that never changes but um one of the things that, that i think that we we get into is habits it's sort of like if you're used to just traveling all the time you start to think that's normal and that's what life has to look like. And in fact, that's not the case at all. You, you can, you can step back and start thinking, okay, what do I actually really want to do and why am I doing it? Yeah. And it kind of speaks a little bit to your, um, the FOMO. And I'm curious how much you think this concept is maybe a product coming from New York or coming from this perspective in the world. Um, how much do you think it is a result of that? Yeah, by the way, um, just so you know, the fire truck is literally outside my window now and stopped. So I don't know if it's going to be too noisy. The reality is that living in New York, New York is the city with the most FOMO in the world. And Harvard mm -hmm. is probably the university with the most FOMO in the world because yes. FOMO ex right, exists within places that are choice rich. So the more choices you have, the more opportunities. 
the more you are going to fall victim to FOMO. And so that is, uh, that is reality. And so recognizing that and then thinking about that and mm. at its root, FOMO is about, uh, it's about information asymmetry. It's the idea that we see something that looks great from the outside, that bright, shiny object, and we mm. feel like we want it. And so what we have to do when we combat it is actually think, is it really as good as it looks? And is it a good fit for me? And why do I want to do this? Is it something I actually want? Or is it something that I feel like I want because everybody else wants it? And when you get into that kind of thinking, it becomes a lot easier to overcome your FOMO. Yeah. And would you say that the criteria for decision-making, um, especially addressing FOMO, is the same for personal decisions as well as professional? Or do you think it's a bit different? No, absolutely. I would say it's the same. The difference, of course, is that um, it may be when it's personal that it's even harder, our judgment's even more clouded. Yeah. Uh, and so there are many ways to overcome that, uh, doing sort of deep dive analysis and trying to be sort of fact-based in the way you think about things is a big part of that. Taking away the fear and injecting the facts, getting other people to help you think through things. But at the end of the day, they really, they, they really no matter what aspect of your life it, it is, FOMO is, is, is coming from the same basic set of uh, of triggers yeah well maybe leading that into the third question um and speaking maybe to entrepreneurs who are more in the creative field or artists or anything like this um over the span of your career what is something that you might have seen specifically with creatives and what is some advice you wish you could give them that you may not otherwise have had a chance to give you know from your lens as a venture capitalist yeah, so my brother is a jazz musician and my sister-in-law is a dancer. And so Ooh. I see, yeah, and it's great, you know, and they're creative people and they're, um, they've had to figure out how to build their careers in ways that are resilient and ways that they can live, obviously, in New York City. And it's been fascinating to watch that and to watch their careers as they blossom. And all their friends are, are also uh, in that world. And I have lots of friends who are painters and sculptors and writers and all that sort of stuff. That's one of the beautiful things about living in New York City. Now, what I would say is, uh, number one, I think The 10% Entrepreneur, which is my first book, is very apt for creative people because a lot of folks who are working in traditional careers dream of doing a creative endeavor, but they don't really think about, like, do I want to do that? You know, I love to, to bake or I love to dance, but they never think about what it takes to actually do that full time. And so if you do something part time on the side, it allows you to get a sense of what it really takes. I think that's a big, a big part of it. The other thing is, is, uh, I think the, the, uh, in the creative arts, thinking like an entrepreneur is so critical. I'm sure you, you, you know, that's something you, you do a lot of because, mm -hmm. because as we know, artists and creators nobody's out there doing it for you you have to sort of run the show and that means everything from conceiving your ideas to then finding ways to live off of them and so there's so much importance to thinking like an entrepreneur that my brother and it's interesting he just said he read my book and he said it, it made me really rethink how i think about my career and how to monetize it which which i was happy to hear and so he, he's been you know doing things to, to be able to create longer term revenue streams out of his work yeah, that's really helpful to say. So would you say that for, you know, part of the message for creative people is, you know, to maybe let go of this old model or idea of being a starving artist and really it's just a matter of having that, you know, grit, the decision making and the, the entrepreneurial strategy? Totally. Um, there's a guy um, who a lot of listeners may know. 
uh, because he was on the Wonder Years. His name was Josh Saviano, and he played Paul and the the friend, the the guy with the glasses. And okay. I, I I randomly met him this year, and he actually has started a business around this, helping artists to create a really a plan to monetize so that they can do it sustainably because I mean being a striving artist there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want and I think you know if you think it's going to somehow inform your creative process and make you even better maybe there's some sense to that and I think being frugal is good for everybody in life but but the the thing is if I see this all the time it's like it just it just kind of like gets to you if you're constantly living paycheck to paycheck and struggling um it, it it takes a lot of the joy out of it and so it's good to to also recognize that making money isn't a bad thing and that if that allows you to then make more art then it's, you know that's great yeah exactly like i i try to share with my fair friends or peers who are in the creative sector that you know people are reselling or upselling like socks online on Amazon or eBay or something like that. I mean, I think if you just have the right strategy, there's a lot of value in bringing something unique and creative into the world. And Mm -hmm. um, there's always a need for that. It's just a matter of, like you said, applying those entrepreneurial skills and being decisive as you kind of suggest in your work. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe lastly, just really just the arts, but more personally, how have the arts uh, been an important part of your life, maybe as a patron, or if there's any little practice that you have as well. Yeah, so I've done a lot of things in the arts. As, as a kid, I was I played piano and trombone. I also I was in symphony and marching band and all, all the music groups uh, as a kid. And then um, I was I was a very bad actor. And then uh, yes, I still am. And then also as an adult, I was on the board of the New York Youth Symphony. I invested in the, uh, the English production of The Last King of Scotland, uh, the stage production. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I've done it. And my brother's a musician. Obviously, my sister in law is a dancer. And so it's a, something that I'm very steeped in. It's a big part of, of what uh, me and my family are focused on, uh, even though, you know, I've always had a business career. And for me, I think when I started writing, my brother was such a help to me in terms of creative process and then thinking about being creative and and expressing myself, you know, through writing these days. I, I think it all draws upon the work that I did throughout, you know, my youth. So so I, I can't imagine not having those things as part of what I've done. I love that. It sounds like it great, brings a great balance. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate your time. And uh, awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. And we'll send a link to your book and everything in the podcast episode. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Thanks so much, Pat. Sorry about the fire truck. I hope it wasn't too disruptive. It gave a sense of urgency. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm glad. (laughs) So good. And I'll 